everybody. Welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite. Today we have Tanner and I'm super excited because I knew this guy, I think even before he was like a seven-figure entrepreneur. Now, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've done like over 50 million in sales. I knew you, like I, I knew of you, right? When you were back doing like, you know, six figures essentially, yeah, right? And yeah. you just blew up, dude. Uh-huh. Like, so take me, you know, before we kind of dive in, I, I really want to know what was probably the biggest thing that took you from that six to seven figures almost immediately? Because after you hit seven, I think it was super easy to continue super to fast. hit. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing was I just couldn't figure ads out. And so I had been hiring a bunch of coaches. I remember. Been doing, yeah. yeah. We've been doing organic messaging. I was making some money, but I was really struggling to scale. And so, you know, the typical funnel at that time is, you know, you click the ad, you go to an opt-in page, you watch a video, you book a call. Yeah. I was getting no success. And uh, I was getting really frustrated. So finally, this is right when, uh, I don't know if you remember when ManyChat came out. Yep. That feature came yep. out where you could start, you know, doing DMs and running ads to Messenger. And I got really frustrated. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to message all these people because I had this big fight with my coach at the time. And I made like 18, 20 something grand in a day. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I, f- and I remember saying, I was like, oh shit. Like I figured it out. Yeah. And then I literally did that and we got as high as 2 million a month. Just literally. How quickly? For, man, less than two years. It took me 22 months. So from the second I started making money till we hit as high as 2 million, it was about 22 months. It was insane. Yeah. And so uh, it, it just was, no one was doing it at the time. So obviously, you know, as marketers like once someone does something that works yeah start coming in so it it doesn't become as effective down the road but even to this day we're still doing the same thing and it's it's super effective and i just think because it's high touch yeah no that's that's powerful so i know we dove in right away uh but for the people that don't know you like who is tanner and how did you start off yeah so i'm one of seven kids uh i was raised lds or you know more commonly known as mormon very conservative household yeah dad is kind of the equivalent of a preacher yeah you could say um, he was a teacher, uh, mom was stay at home. And so growing up, I, I was kind of sheltered, so to speak. And I got made fun of a lot cause I was a oldest boy and you know, my sisters did not help me out. We did dress up and tea party. I have some pictures you, <laughs> you should never see. And, um, I was really into football. So, yeah. you know, if you go check out some of my older pictures or someone Googles me, I was, you know, got very into sports. Um, that's kind of how I started building confidence and got away from the bullying. Yeah. Took that really serious until I was about 22. And then that's when kind of football ended. I had a ton of injuries. I don't think I was good enough to go pro. And that was the first time I was like, man, I don't think I want to be an engineer. Because I was, when you're in school and you're playing football, it's one thing. But when it ends, I was like, man, this is not going to be fun. So I met a mentor named David Fry. He actually is married to Russell Brunson's cousin. All about the play funnels. Yeah. Like, what's the chances, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. And I, I feel guilty to this day, but... The story was I wasn't going to church. And, you know, my, my parents are very religious. So he said, hey, look, I'll show you how to build an online business if you decide to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, hold, I didn't hold up my end of the bar. I feel terrible. We're still very good friends to this day. He's like a second father to me. Yeah. But he taught me about, you know, funnels and email opt-ins and sales and all these things. It was all low ticket. And I didn't have any success. And I think it was because it was low ticket. I didn't. I couldn't spend money on ads and I was making sales, but it's so slow. Yeah. So, you know, 500 bucks a month, what's that going to do? Right. Um, And then right before I was about to quit, I was doing door-to-door sales. I was, you know, working as a part-time server. I was willing, I was just trying to figure this thing out. I went and saw an ad, you know, probably like people see my ads now. And it was like how to build an online fitness business. I was like, okay, whatever. So (laughs) I go through, I buy it, made uh, a bunch of money in the first week, like $10,000. 
And then I went all in. And then, you know, less than two years later. Uh, who, who, whose ad was that? Yeah. So it was actually Sterling Griffin. I don't, I don't, Dude, I don't he's know. my first mentor, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's actually out of the game now. He's yeah. completely out of the game. Um, and it's, it's ironic. Like I, it's, it's not like the course when I went through it, it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm missing these things. It was just that it was so simplistic that I didn't believe it. It was like, yeah. So raise your price, message people, call them. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. And it actually did work. And I couldn't believe it. And when I made 10K in that first week, I that was triple what I made in a month. Yeah. Triple. Just completely changed my life. And then I just kind of took it from there. So that's kind of like the short version. I could yeah. go into more detail about that. No, that's, that's kinda, good. That's yeah. good. One one thing that I agree with you on, and you posted this before, <clears throat> is the fact that um, you're really big on cold DMs. And yeah. I think a lot of people hate cold yeah. DMs and they give it a lot of shit. Everyone but hates I think, cold DMs. Yeah. But I think it's because they don't know how to utilize it like you do, right? Sure. Um, I think a lot of people that are starting out, that's probably one of the first things that you should do. But, you know, obviously I want to ask you, like cold yeah. DMs, do they work? Do they not work? Yeah, they do. I mean, 100%. It, it, they're not efficient. That's why people don't like them and they talk bad about them because the average individual and, you know, normal humans were lazy, right? Yeah. And so when someone's like, well, hey, you need to do this and it's not highly efficient, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort. The average human doesn't want to do it. I think of it as door-to-door sales. I did door-to-door sales. It works, but super inefficient. Right. But when you don't have funds and you only have time and effort and energy, that's the only thing I know to do if you can't spend a single dollar. Now, you start giving me some money. Oh, there's a lot of stuff we can do. All kinds of tactics. But for the average person, I think they also underestimate how much volume. So for like our clients or like when I start, I'll say, hey, if you do 100 DMs, you might get, you know, 20, 30 responses max. If you book five calls, you're doing good. So that's a yeah. 5% book rate. That's not a lot. That's and, very low. So people underestimate how much they have to do. So they send 10 messages and say it doesn't work or they're not good at it. And, you know, people will say, well, of course I'm good at it. I mean, guys think they're all good at asking girls out too, but we're not, <laughs> right? And so yeah. I just think a lot of it is people, they either don't know that their skills very low or they underestimate how much volume they have to do. Yeah, I agree 100% with the volume thing. Um, you know, there's people that... <clears throat> They'll send out a few messages and all of a sudden it's like, dude, nobody's responding to me. Or they told me to, you know, fuck off or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you do realize that's a feedback loop. You know, yeah. you got to continue. And, and to their point, I mean, it's changing, right? So social, when I started about yeah. five years ago, a lot less spam, a lot more For messages sure. seem to get through. I think a lot more filters are in now. So stuff goes in message requests, but it still goes to the same point. What else are you going to do? You yeah. don't have money. You need to start your business. So I just think, again, People will say, I'll do anything it takes, but they don't really want to do anything it takes. If you could sit at home and message people, I promise you that beats door-to-door sales 10 out of 10 times. Not even close. Yeah, no, 100%. When do you think, um, when people are doing, you know, cold DMs, when should they, you know, reanalyze or figure out like, hey, this is not working. I've sent out enough messages, you know. Yeah, so to me, like that should be the metrics you look for. So like I said earlier, if you're doing 100 messages and you can't book about five calls, you're saying the wrong things. Yeah. And so at that point, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just that you need to fix your process. Once you get that working, the benefit, and once you have some money coming in, you can go to ads. And I'm a big proponent of ads simply because you only really have two ways to scale a company, right? It's either a super amazing idea, maybe three ways, a super amazing idea, right? And I would say in digital marketing, nine times out of 10, you're not doing something that no one else is doing, right? There's going to be competition. So then you're left with, you build a massive brand, which to me, takes a lot of time. Yeah. You even look at like the Paul brothers now. I'm super impressed now. It's like insane to watch them, but they started on Vine just doing, you know, funny stuff as kids. They weren't really trying to monetize. So it took time. Yeah. Or three, you do paid ads. And that's the quick way. So um, I only tell individuals, hey, do cold. 
right? Until you start making money, then do ads, and then your team can take over those operations for you. But I mean, that's the only way I funded my business because, you know, my parents definitely were not going to fund it. Yeah. So I had to do it on my own. Yeah, 100%. How much should somebody start out with when they're testing for ads? Yeah, so I started out 100 bucks a day. Uh, I did 3000 a month, yeah. 100 bucks a day. I feel if you can't get that to work, you're, you know, more ad spend is not going to make it work. It, all it does is it gives you a faster feedback loop. So if you're spending a, you know, hundred bucks a day and then you up it to 200 or 300 or 400, all you're going to do is get a faster feedback loop. So if you wanted to see if what you're doing is going to work in a week, maybe you would spend yeah. three, 400 a day, but otherwise like 3000 is usually to me is a good budget because it gives you enough volume that you're getting leads, but it also allows you to Take your time with the process. You're not overwhelmed. It's not crushing your systems. Um, and then once that worked, I just kept going up and up and up and up. And, you know, it's crazy, but I thought a hundred bucks a day was a lot. And then we got to where we were spending ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a day. It was wild. Yeah. But yeah. About a hundred a day. Well, well, walk me through that process of like, for example, cause, um, I've spent ad, I've spent on ads before yeah. when it didn't work sure. and essentially, um, I didn't know that, Hey, you need to have a sales process. You need to have an email sequence. Like, you know, ads is just an enhancement of what you currently got. Right. Um, so walk us through that because yeah, somebody's listening to this and they're like, all right, I'm going to start spending on ads, but they don't have a sales process. So they don't know where people are, fall are falling off Yeah. and they're just spending money, you know? Well, especially, you know, one of my portfolio companies, this is an agency and people will go to ads thinking that's going to fix the problem. Yeah. So, like, oh, I'm not making sales. I'm going to run ads and I'm going to make a bunch of sales. It's not the case. Yeah. Um, for us, the biggest thing we found is, yes, you can have emails. Yes, you can do retargeting, but it was that messaging process. And I think for anyone listening, part of that depends on the sophistication of the buyer. So I look at a guy like you, you have been sold to a lot, so you know what's happening. So the more sophisticated someone is, I feel that process has to be even better and more high touch point. I feel the less sophisticated the buyer is. So one of my offers uh, in my portfolio companies is a sales rep, right? They don't get sold to a lot. They basically sign up with no, you know, personal DMs. And so I, I think that's where um, you have to kind of decide on your offer and what you want to do. But um, for us, the more personal touch we did, um, the better it was because our buyers, you know, usually I work with business owners, they're a little more sophisticated. Yeah. So. High touch, you mean like sales calls? High touch, like high touch meaning like usually DMs. I mean, for us. Do you guys don't do, or no, you guys do sales calls though. Right? Yeah, we do do sales calls. But like for us, what I found is like the more sophisticated the buyer, typically, not always, but if they go straight to a webinar, they've seen so yeah. many. They're just like, oh, another webinar. <laughs> so for us, yeah. what really changed the game was when we started running ads to the DM, then they would watch the webinar if they sign up, great. But if they don't, me or my team will go in and we'll set the call. And that changed everything because you know, emails, everyone does that, right? Call sales calls, everyone does that. Webinars, everyone does that. And so I think where you can get unfair advantages is scaling stuff that other people struggle to scale. Yeah. And so if you're running ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars a day of ads and you're messaging every single lead, I promise you, very few companies can scale that because it's just too much volume. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages a day. So let's say you have ten to fifteen, you know, messages between that person. You're doing 10, 15, 000. I mean, it's insane amount of volume. So yeah, that's what I found. Yeah, no, I like that. That's super yeah. smart, dude. So yeah. um, how many, you know, from one team member that's managing a lot of the responses, how many people are they messaging per day? Um, like what's the, what's their cap, right? Yeah, so I'll be honest. I don't know what the cap is, but we have, you know, a pretty large team. I call them messengers. Most people call them setters. 
Yeah. Uh, but it, it's on the clock all day. So we have like about a 30 minute overlap. So, you know, when someone's hopping off, someone else can hop on. We'll have mm. as many as, you know, two people in the inbox at the same time. So one person is responding. One person is like starting. Yeah. So it's a, pr- I mean, it's a pretty rigorous process. And this is, that's probably what I actually give most of my presentations on is like people want to see the SOPs and right, how that yep, works. Yep. Um, but man, a cap, I just, I wish I could give you an actual answer, but it's just as many as they can do. With ads, what does make it easier though is because they're coming to you, it automatically opens up. And so they can go right to and say, hey, you know, what's your goal? Yeah. You know, cold DMs, there's a limit, right? Because you're going to get spam. 100%. And it's just also, you have to build up. You have to, you can't go straight into a cell. Um, so I'm not sure the actual answer, but I mean, in a month, we are doing, you know, tens of thousands of messages. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, so which ones are the ones that you handle yourself? Or do you not handle any of them? I do. So it's tough. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I'll go sometimes to the gym and they're like, dude, Tanner, what's up? We, yeah. yeah, we were talking yesterday and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm being honest. I, I don't <laughs> think that was me. Wasn't me, yeah. But my team will do their best. Like, if it's someone I know or if I see something, I'll move it into my general inbox. Um, you know, on Instagram, they have, you know, the primary in general. So I will try to move it to general. But um, otherwise, like it, a lot of times I don't get in there because one, I, I just think it gets to the point where when you're trying to build businesses and companies, it, there's just so many people messaging you or so many times, like you could be in there all day. Yeah. And so you, I think for me, I finally just have a shut off switch. I let my team try to handle those leads. And then if it's someone, you know, more sophisticated, if it's like you, for example, they kind of know and they're like, Hey, this guy is like me and you, they'll leave it unread. Um, and so sometimes people think I leave them on red, but what's actually happening is my team opens it, they They're push it back you. and then I go, yeah, I go in later when I have time. Yeah. Dude, crazy. <laughs> so, so, um, for people that don't know, like, what are you doing currently right now? Cause you said, you know, you have a few portfolio companies. Yeah. What does that look like? You're doing a lot of acquisitions now? Yeah, no. So, I mean, I have my main company's elite CEOs. I've had that for five years and we're actually in the process of, you know, removing me as the face, putting in a new CEO. Um, nice. I think that's a, I think that's a valuable skill for me to learn and do, um, you know, it's doing a lot of revenue. It's super profitable, but you know, I think it's time and that's going to give me time to do other stuff. I do have a few portfolio companies. I think it just kind of happened um, because, you know, we have so many business owners who come to us. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm breeding my own clients and the best clients, right? The best of the best. We're like, Hey, do you want to partner? And it makes sense because I've seen their work ethic. I know yeah. their, mar- their margins, their profitability. So we have taken on a few. And at that point, basically they just, get unlimited access to me and they get some higher level uh, stuff from my team. We'll do some things for them. We'll hire, we'll do some training. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's gonna be my big thing. You know, uh, Hermosi's really doing that right now. And I believe, I mean, it's going to work. He's a beast and so is Layla, but I think it's very hard what they're doing and it's slow because when you go in a company and you're having to change management and do hiring, it's not this overnight switch. Yeah. And so I'm actually in the process of kind of figuring out my next thing. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of my posts, but I'm having all these conversations with kind of what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm having all these high level conversations with, you know, billionaires, multimillionaires, and I'm just getting their perspective because, you know, we don't, I don't get to talk to people doing that amount of money very often. And so I'm actually in the process of that. So by the end of December, my hope is I've stepped out completely. Yeah. I'll still be involved, you know, like, um, like advising, but I'm not going to be like, you know, doing the day to day. And then I'll take maybe a month or two to kind of just step back and think because all the advice they've told me said, Hey, do not jump right into something else. Make sure you wait. Like even if it's 60 days, wait. Yeah. So you can read and kind of just assess and sit there because they're like probably your issue and why you can't come up with your next idea is you're doing, you're working all the time. And they're like, yeah. your best ideas will come to you when you're not. So that's kind of, that's kind uh, of a high overview, but we have, we do have a couple of portfolios, but I don't think I'm going to go nuts and 
you know, just like get 10, 20, 30. I, we got like five right now. Yeah. In the 60 day period that you're going to think, is there anything that you're like, you kind of have your mind on? Like there's a few things like, hey, I might go here. Yeah. So I really, I really love tech, but I'm also at the same time a little scared of tech. Um, you know, some of my high level friends, they're like, hey, dude, you know, it could be a home run. It couldn't. Yeah. You know, Alex Becker, I really loved what he's done with Hyros. That's yeah. been cool. Um, you know, I, I also have thought about um, doing some type of like, you know, consumer product. I talked to a guy named Scott Cohen. This was an amazing conversation. So this is the only other thing I've really thought of. So I really like tech. Yeah. Because even now, um, you know, go high level, right? You're familiar with the CRM. Yeah. We started using as a white label version to our clients. I think in six months, we're doing $80,000 of profit. Yeah. Nice. And it's, and it's like, how much work is it really? It's like none. And yeah. there's like basically no cost. So that's why I've like tech. And I think I want to go that route. But if I don't, the only other thing I think would be like something like, you know, direct to consumer. And Scott Cohen was really cool call because this guy was actually internet marketer, had an agency, was doing SEO. Okay. And uh, Invisalign, I didn't know this, but Invisalign came out and he looked at the whole process and said, man, this sucks. And I was like, their, their funnel sucks. Their process sucks. The customer reviews are terrible. So he, he basically just came out with his own version. It was a little cheaper. Uh, it was 2000 bucks. Yeah. And he built it and sold it for a billion in under two years. Wait, you posted about that, right? Yeah. Okay. And he sold it for a billion under two years. And I'm like, damn. And, and, and that's like, that's, that's, that's us, right? He's in digital marketing. Yeah. He was a digital marketer. He said, hey, I was going to go second or third to market. He just took the process and made it better. And long story short, he said they were paying 1200 bucks a customer. I was getting it for 400. We had a better process. I had a sales team in the US. They were using Costa Rica. You know, nothing wrong with that. But he yeah. just was like, I took every little thing they did and made it better. And he basically won. And if you go look at their reviews, it's insane. Because, you know, even like Google, they have like, you know, you'll see one-star reviews. Oh, Google sucks, this right, and that. Right. But he had amazing reviews. And so that guy's really intrigued me. So once I get through kind of my first initial calls, I'm going to have some follow-ups. Um, and hopefully go from there. And then one of them uh, actually went well too. Her name's Kim Perel. She sold, I can't remember the number, but it was 100 or 200 million. Yeah. And uh, the call went so well, she's actually invited me to like go to lunch. She's like, hey, we could work together. So I have, <laughs> nice. no, I have no idea how that's going to go. I have very low expectations. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not going to be what I think it is, but I'm very open-minded at this point because I just want to grow. Yeah. Um, and the money is very, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. It's like once you can kind of buy everything you need, it's just, you're fighting over a bigger home, bigger house, you know, bigger car. It's kind of irrelevant, I feel like. Then, then why do you want to grow? Dude, I wish I could tell you. I, I, I'm just so growth-driven. I don't know why, but I feel like if I'm not constantly improving or growing, I, I just feel very stagnant and unhappy. I, I love building stuff. Even like now looking at my business where we have all these pieces in place and I'm barely doing anything and we're just, we just have such a solid team. It's, it's like feels, it just feels rewarding. Yeah. Um, and so I just think I'm always going to be that way because if I take more than, I would say if I take more than three to four days off, I start getting very bored. I've been in Vegas for a week and I'm like, I'm ready to go back. Right. Like I've kind yeah. of been like hanging out and doing stuff and I've been working a little bit, but once I get out of my environment for three or four days, I kind of feel like I'm not doing anything. Uh, and that's not to say other people can't do it. I, I just, I love growth, man. Yeah. So well, it's crazy. Cause you know, I interview a lot of people and they're yeah. like, they, they'll say like, yeah, you know, once they kind of reach that level of success, they're like, yeah, it's not about the money, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, then dude, then why the hell are you working yeah. still? You know? You, yeah. They'll say, yeah, it's not about the money. And then I'm like, what's your goal? Well, I want to get, a, I want to have a billion dollar company. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, you yeah. know? And, and it, it does sound funny when you put it that way, because you don't, you really don't need it. Yeah. But I just don't, I mean, I don't know what else I would do. You know, I, I have a few things I enjoy. I have a couple hobbies, but 
I, I just I find it so rewarding to grow. And I think it's, I think someone put it best. Um, I heard this quote where, you know, they talk about the richest people on earth and what traits do they have. And it always comes down to they have this deep, you know, insecurity and fear that they're not good enough, but they also have the confidence that are like, they're crazy enough to think like, hey, I can do that. Yeah. And I think that's for me because as a kid, got bullied a lot, super insecure. I think to this day, that's part of what drove me is I started to find confidence and status because when someone made fun of me, I said, oh, but I, I have more money than you. Well, yep. my girlfriend's cuter than yours. Like I have a better car than you. And it sounds silly, but when people are putting you down, it's like you're looking for anything to kind of pull yourself up. So that was for me. And yeah. then when I see people do better than me, a lot of people get jealous or like you'll see on social people, you know, they're talking shit and all those things. If I see people doing cool stuff, I just have the thought like, oh, I could do that. Like, what do they know that I don't know? And it's never from a place of like jealousy or, you know, oh my gosh, this guy, he got lucky. He's got a trust fund. I just, I just feel this like kind of desire, like, Hey, I want to do that too. Or I want to be great. And so it's almost like I'll feel left behind. If I see people making moves and I'm not, I'm just like, man, what am I doing? Like I need, yeah. I need to grow. I need to like perform. I need to be the best I can be. So did, did that thought come after you had the money or, uh, even, even before when you were, I, I think definitely after. Um, so there was, so, you know, Alex, like I, I bring him up a lot of podcasts. I feel bad sometimes because like I feel Dude, like everybody I does, <laughs> but, but he's, he's been, a, he was a very good friend to me when I was going through a tough time and he didn't really know it. And uh-huh. it was right when I hit my first million dollar month. And, um, I remember the moment I was, I was in a, you know, one of the nicest buildings in Miami. Um, it's like yeah. 25, you know, no, what is it? $6 million penthouse. I had a f- half a million Lamborghini, half a million dollar Lamborghini and, um, you know, I was, I was crushing it and I was dating a bunch of girls and all this stuff. And I just remember sitting there and I was like, man, like, is this it? Like, like this is what I wanted. And it just felt so empty and I felt so unfulfilled. And I think I was just running away from being broke so hard that when I finally hit that goal, that was my number. I was like, I'm going to hit a million a month. Like, that, I don't know why that was the number, but I was just like, I'm going to hit that number. Yeah. And when I hit that number, I just remember like it was fun for a day and then I, I just wasn't anymore. And uh, that's when I started really thinking about life in general. And I think, you know, Alex, you know, with gym launch and stuff, he was going through those things and he kind of did it before me. And he's close to me in age, you know. I, I'd always had older guys talk to me. I was like, ah, you're old. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah, whatever. And so he started giving me a lot of advice on how to think about life. And that, that really helped me because when I did get there, I was, you know, I, I got pretty depressed. And I don't know if it was depression. Sometimes I, I say that, but I, I was sad. Yeah. But I think it's just because you do go after things and you think you're going to get this like momentous, like life changing moment, or you're going to feel different. You don't. And I think now I'm smart enough to know that. So it really is about the growth because if you try to build a billion dollar company and you think you're going to feel different when you get there, you won't. And no one cares. And that was a good thing for me to realize too, is I thought people gave a shit. But in reality, no one really cares. Like, you know, if you if you build a huge company, I'll be like, yeah, cool, dude. And then it's like, I move on to the next thing in my day. And yeah. you're like, and, and it's crazy because when I was there, I used to think, man, like, that's it. Like, you don't even care. I'm doing a million a month. Like, I'm a badass, right? Yeah. And and people, you know, they're just busy with their own lives. So it was a good, it really happened after the money. And and I went through kind of like, I would say a dark time, but I really matured through that to to understand that. I really do enjoy business. And I think that's important because if you don't, you don't enjoy the game. You're not going to grow a billion dollar company because it's too hard. Yeah. There's just too many things that happen. But when you, when I looked back, I was like, man, I, I think I really do enjoy this. Like I love the grind. I love when things get tough. I love when things go wrong. You know, not, not actually love it, but like 
it's like, like that adversity. Yeah, it's that adversity and it's and it's building. So yeah, sorry it's a long answer, but no, you know, dude, a lot to good. say. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're open to it, I'd like to dive into yeah. a little bit more about, you know, when you were in depression. Like sure. I think I read a post um where you were yeah. very open about that, right? Yeah, very, very dark. And I don't I don't really get I don't get very deep very often because it's like um I think growing up, me and my family, we just weren't that close. And I don't think it was on purpose. We just didn't hug a lot. Um, you know, I was raised in a Mormon household, so you know, a lot of stuff is taboo and you can't really tell your parents sometimes because you're not supposed to be doing it. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, I was in, uh, I was actually in Puerto Rico at the time. I just moved there to try to evade, you know, taxes. And, um, my girlfriend at the time and me were breaking up and, you know, she, me and her just were very close. And, um, when I kind of, we broke up, I kind of just felt like I didn't really have anything to live for. And the reason was because I made all this money. It was kind of what I told you. The money didn't matter. And then I felt like a person who was very close to me didn't want anything to do with me. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I literally flew back to Texas. I went to a gun store there, you know, got a gun and I, I was going to do it. And, uh, I think I didn't. The only reason I didn't is because I, you know, I started thinking about all the people who count on me. My two of my brothers work for me, and you know, in hindsight, I'm glad uh, that I didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good experience, and um, you know, Alex actually helped me a lot through that. He didn't know I was going through that at the time, but I think he really helped me give me that perspective because when you do reach kind of the top and you realize there's nothing there, it can be somewhat depressing because you do have the thought like, well, what does it matter then? And then when something kind of monumental bad happens like to me that breakup you know we've been dating for four years it just felt kind of like the end of the world at the moment obviously it wasn't but I got a little overwhelmed and um so yeah I don't talk about it much I did make one post but um I think like what's interesting now on the other side is I'm actually giving a talk next week it's literally about mental health and the irony is you know my perspective has changed a little bit on depression and what I mean by that is when we say we're depressed, or at least when I did, I think sometimes we say, and it, what we actually mean is we're deeply sad, right? Something bad had just happened in my life, and I said I was depressed, but I think reality is like I was just very sad. And a helpful thought that someone gave me this, and this may not be for everyone, and so I, I say this with utmost respect of anyone who's gone through depression, but the best thing that ever came to me that someone said is, you know, dude, I just don't believe depression is real. And what they meant by that was, is they're not saying that it's real or not, but they said, if you don't believe in it, then you can't be affected by it. And I, that was actually probably the most powerful thing for me because I'm very logical. And so I've tried to change my perspective now is when bad things happen or I get very sad, instead of going to a super dark place that like, you know, that would have been terrible for my, my family and my, my loved ones. And yeah. it, it, it's just never the right route. I just, I just pretend like, hey, I don't, I don't believe in it. So therefore, if I don't believe in it, it's not happening. I'm just sad. And that may not work for everyone. I totally get that. But for me, that was actually one of the most helpful pieces of advice because I would go to therapists or I would go to therapy. And I'm not saying it's, it's not helpful. But for me, I just felt, man, I don't know if I'm getting anything out of this. Like they're asking me questions. I don't know the answer. I came to you to give me the answer. And so that, that advice, at least for me, has been more helpful because now when I get in a bad spot, I'm just like, you know what? depression isn't real, whether it is or not. I'm just like, you know, depression is not real. I'm sad. This moment will pass. And I just move forward. And that is a little more helpful for me than kind of trying to, you know, fit, why do I feel this way? Or 
what do I need to do to fix it? And, you know, to each their own, 100%. I try to be super respectful of everyone's view, but yeah. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, I don't talk about very much, but I'm glad you asked. So hopefully it'll help somebody. Yeah. Well, I want to dive in a little bit more. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so, okay. When you were in that state, though, you were not in a very logical state, right? No. I mean, it's, it's purely emotion. Yeah. Purely emotion. Because, you know, you're, you're saying like, yeah, that, that helped you out a lot. And you're right. I'm a very logical guy, too, you know? So, yeah. like, totally understand. Yeah. I get it. Uh, but there was a moment in your life when you didn't get it. And, you know, you, it wasn't logical for you. Yeah, um, like, like, it's like I didn't care. You, you just feel like, I don't give a shit. I mean, that's how I feel. I was like, I don't give a shit about anything right now. Yeah. Like, nothing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's deep, Does dude. that Does that make sense? Like, it, it does. It does. Well, to me, what the crazy part is because, um, and I'm just trying to understand because I've sure. never gone through something like that. No, 100%. Um, it's, uh, you know, you're, right now, we're fully aware, right? Fully, yeah. fully aware. And in that time frame, it's like, what changed? Because you're still fully aware, I feel like, you know, like, I mean, unless you're not. It, it feel, no, you are, you, like, I've, I've just got, I've gone through, and I don't, again, like, the, the, the funny thing and where I get interested is like, you know, do you think the way because something someone said, or do you think that way because you were born here? Or do you, th you know, there's so many factors that go into why we think the way we do. All I can tell you from that time is I had, you know, the, my girlfriend at the time, I mean, we're, we're, we're actually back together. I mean, we, we've been together for four years. And yeah. so she's been like my best friend. And, you know, I'm not sure why, but I, I don't think I'm very close to very many people. Um, and it's, pro it's, it's probably my fault. I mean, honestly, it probably is my fault because I'm working all the time. And then, you know, people will ask me to you do You don't stuff. actually DM them. It's your team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like there's, there's probably things I could do better. Yeah. But… I was, I was kind of going through that epiphany that like, hey, nothing really matters. So I already kind of felt like it started to, well, my work doesn't matter. Yeah. And like, if this person closes, it doesn't matter. And, and I even had the thought with all the clients I've helped, all the clients I've helped, I'm like, so what? Like, so what? It's, it's a blip, right? Yeah. Like Mark, like I'm looking at Mark Zuckerberg. I'm like one of the most successful guys on earth and he's going to get forgotten. He's a blip. So like, what does that make me? And it was just, it was kind of like a dark spiral. Damn. And then, so we were going through a rough patch. We had some disagreements and, you know, she decided to split. And so I think it was just all that compounded. I'm like, nothing matters. I don't have anyone anymore. You know, like the closest person to me, I felt like had abandoned me. You know, obviously it wasn't the case, but that's how I felt. And so I think you are aware what's happening, you but your just level of give a fuck is just so low. Like you just don't give a fuck. And I, I don't know if you've ever had those days, but even like, you know, in your business, you might just have like all these fires and you're like, yeah, bro, I don't fuck it. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna just throw my phone here. I'm going to bed. Yeah. And so I don't know why I got that dark with it. But I think everyone has to kind of confront that and kind of figure out what is the meaning of life or does there have to be a meaning or whatever purpose you need? Because if not, I think eventually at some point you're going to face it, especially with success. Yeah. Because you realize with success, like no matter how much success you have, it's never going to change anything. Like to a degree, like people ultimately don't care that much. Like they, if they love you, my parents love me. They don't care how much I make. Yeah. They don't care. They just want me to be happy. Uh, other people like, you know, they want you to do well, but they don't care. And, you know, ultimately, even if they did, it doesn't matter, right? It's like other people praising you or saying you're top, you know, hot shit doesn't, doesn't matter. Right. So I, I don't know. I think it was just a lot. It was just a lot of the time. And we could probably do like three podcasts just on this topic. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, hopefully it sheds like a little light. And that's and that's just my perspective. And hopefully it helps because I know 
I don't try to think I or act like I know everything. I just try to share my perspective and what I felt at the time. And you know, hopefully it helps someone. But the most helpful thought for me is after I got through that was when someone just said, hey, dude, like, you're not depressed. You went through something sad. It's not real. And you know, it's going to pass. And, and that's like the thought I try to hold on to if I ever go in a dark place. Because it, depression is like when you feel like you're not going to get out of it. And that's what I felt at the time. was like, my girlfriend left me, you know, nothing matters. I'm in, you know, Puerto Rico. It's not nothing against Puerto Rico, but it's not Miami. I'm just like having a rough time. Man. Yeah. And, and when you feel like you don't have anyone to turn to or talk to who's going to understand, um, that's hard. And, and I think that's the second part is as you become more successful, I don't know if you felt this, but you feel, I feel like I relate to less people and not in a bad way, but you know, it's different when someone who's doing a hundred million or a billion or, or they've had this, you know, financial success gives you advice. Cause you feel deep down, like they get it. Yeah. Right. And, and that's probably something I need to work on. But sometimes when someone gives me advice, if they're not coming from the same place, I am, I'm like, you don't get it. Dude, hundred percent. Even when you asked that one post about, uh, having kids and stuff like that. Right. It's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely noticed that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I don't try to judge anyone. I know everyone's got different perspective, but that's, that's why also, you know, when I was going through that time, um, I got connected with Alex. He reached out to me. And that's why I think it was so pivotal because he is killing it. He is crushing it. And I overall, you know, I view him as a good dude. And yeah. he's got good values. And, you know, um, so that helped me a lot during that time. Yeah. No, powerful. I, I wanted to, you know, dive into that a little bit more because you're right. A lot of people, when they hit that level, they, they might hit, you know, they might say like, man, what the fuck? Like, is, all, is this it? You know, and that's kind of what you hit. Obviously, you hit it a lot deeper um, because you were going through some shit. But, um, you know, you're now on the other side. I don't know what you believe yeah. in it for like the meaning of life is or whatever. But yeah, I mean, did- it's like it's a whole thing. So <laughs> so growing up Mormon and, you know, like LDS, um, you know, obviously they believe in Jesus Christ, you know, God. Um, and most, you know, most of what it is, is it's, you know, you're saved by works. Right. And so yeah. you have two types of religion, one saved by grace, saved by works. And a lot of that is, um, you know, saved by works. So you need to do this, you need to do that, et cetera. And so, you know, growing up, I, you know, and I love my parents to death. Like I love them to death and because they're so passionate about what they believe in. It, I can't even fault them. Like they believe what they believe so deeply that it's actually inspiring. Even yeah. if you don't, even if you're like an atheist, you're like, wow, these people literally are so convicted in what they believe. But obviously growing up when, you know, that that's part of the discussion with like religion is like, do you believe what you believe because your parents said that or where you're born or do you believe it? And I've always, asked, I've always asked myself that question, right? If I was born in Nigeria, would I believe that? Yeah. Most of the time, you know, the answer you come to is no. So then it starts asking other questions. So um, for me, when I got there, I started going to massive amounts of therapy, trying to figure out what was the meaning of life. And I, I mean, every day, like I was going to all kinds of therapy, paying thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. And Again, I don't know if this will be helpful for people. Sometimes that's why I'm a little bit more closed off because I don't, I don't want to say anything that's going to like be detrimental to someone. But I got to the point where I, I kind of realized there's, there's obviously no logical way, like fact-based, where everyone's going to agree, okay, because of this, this, and this, this is what the meaning of life is, right? Even if you're religious, like there's not much you can say like, to prove it. There's maybe some things, oh, the Bible was here or like, you know, X, Y, Z, ABC, but someone's still going to disagree. They're going to yeah. say, oh, I don't believe that's bullshit. So again, like this may sound bad, but I, I guess like I take more of the nihilist approach where 
I stopped trying to figure out what everything means. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if there's a mean to life or not, but like, it's okay if there isn't. And you know, for most people, they don't really roll that way. Yeah. But I think it's been a helpful thought for me because instead of always, you know, people will get so wrapped up in, well, that triggers you because of this event when you were five and this triggers you because at 15 and that triggers you because your dad was a preacher and this, and I'm just like, instead of worrying about it, I'm just like, okay, I feel this way. I don't know why. Let me just accept the feeling and then I move on. Yeah. And I just find that it's more productive for me because when you sit and wonder and wonder why you feel or think the way you do, you know, it's like, one, is it productive? Two, you can maybe feel shameful. It's like, well, is it really your fault you feel that way? I, I mean, I don't know. There's just yeah. a lot of stuff. And so um, that's been my approach. I don't know if I'll stay that way. I will be fully transparent. The way I thought when I was 20, 25, now I'm 30 is completely different. And so when I'm 35, I may come back to this conversation and be like, oh man, that guy's a, that was such a stupid thing to say. Yeah. But that's been the most helpful for, thing for me at the time because I just feel like otherwise you just go down this rabbit hole and it never ends. Yeah. And, and that was frustrating for me because when I was having problems with my girlfriend or I was depressed, I was kind of looking for these answers of like, well, why do I feel this way? And like, does this do this? And, and does that do that? And instead, when I finally kind of was like, hey, there may, there may or may not be a mean to life, but no matter what, it's like, if it doesn't matter or, you know, if nothing does matter, then just do what you want to do and be the best person you can be and like, just go from there. And that, that's been more helpful for me for better or worse, but that's been my approach. So, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, so what, so I'm going to take a complete like wide turn and ask you about something else. <laughs> Um, but I want to ask you, uh, about hiring, um, because sure. I see a lot of your posts about hiring sure. and I think, you know, people get triggered when you, when you post hiring, uh, oh, yeah. you know, posts. Oh, they get real mad. Yeah. So, so, you know, talk to me about that. Are you the one that are at, you're, are you the one that's actually hiring, uh, most yeah, of the time? So in my portfolios and I like it. And the reason I like it is you get to a certain point in business where you realize that the more you do, the less you make. My number one goal is to not work. And yeah. the reason is when people hear that, like, wait, what do you mean? Unless I do a brand new startup, once a business gets to a certain level of revenue, the more you make, the le or the more you work, the less you will make, period. And the reason for that is because, one, the business is dependent on you for doing something. Two, even if you do the activity 24 hours a day, there's a cap, right? Yeah. So if I took 24 hours of sales calls a day, there's still a cap. There's still an amount, like, I cannot take any more sales calls. So um, in terms of hiring, what I've learned and what I'm trying to do in my portfolios is like I'm assembling my teams. And so I'm not running the company, but I assemble the CEO, the COO, the CMO, you know, all the team members. And I know what to look for now. And so when I started my business in the beginning, you know, you're just trying to feel relief. So I'm just throwing, yeah, get in here, do this, do that. No SOPs. My, my poor brother's. I mean, he, we talk about this day. He's actually moving into CEO. I didn't help him at all. And I didn't realize how bad a job I was doing, but yeah, with the hiring now, I like to do it because I know what traits to look for. Um, I actually used to think uh, company values and character traits were such bullshit. People would say, I'm like, dude, that's such bullshit. They say the same thing with culture. Yeah, like, the culture. I was yeah. like, oh, that's such bullshit. Like, oh, my cool. I was like, that's bullshit. But it's so, it's not. And the reason is because if they do not embody the company values, they will be the detriment to the team. And so, like for us, the ones we have now is we have integrity, right? Competitive greatness and proactivity. And the competitive greatness and proactivity is everything because if they come in the business and they only want to do eight hours a day or they only want to clock in and clock out, that's cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what most jobs do. It's not a fit for us. 
because yeah. we we can't have that. We have we're trying to get to high levels. And so I've realized that if you don't hire properly, what you're doing is you're lowering the company standards to the person. But what you need to do is raise the person to the company standards. Mm. And a lot of people feel uncomfortable doing that. I'm not sure why, but I'm just a very blunt person. And so I think that's why I was able to have more success. Because a lot of people, they don't, they don't like having those uncomfortable conversations. I don't care. And yeah. to be quite frank, you see Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, two of the most successful guys ever. Most people think they're dicks. They think they're assholes. Sorry, I don't know if I said that on air. Oh, yeah, but they, they, think, they think they're jerks. But I think it's because they just have this level and they say, if you can't hit it, you can't be here. Yeah. And a lot of people look, oh, he's not empathetic. But I think you're only as good as your weakest link. And so I think a lot of people, they allow weakness inside their company and they don't try to get rid of it and it doesn't work. And you'll see like, um, you'll see other entrepreneurs in our space who crush it. Like they just have unrelenting, like, uh, determination not to allow that in their companies and their hiring is on point. And so, yeah, when I do the, when I do the hiring post, I know some people get upset, but I'm like, you're, you're, it's the, it's not in alignment with what I want. You're looking for work-life balance, which is great for you. You should go find that. But the company is not looking for that. We're looking to drive and you like the, the eight to five, typically nine to five, it's not enough, especially for high level execs. My execs do not work eight hours. Yeah, they don't. And and they can't. If they did, they wouldn't be an exec. Like, I'm not going to pay that amount of money because there's too much competition. That's what people don't ask. They go, well, you know, this guy or that guy. I'm like, cool. But could I find another guy who will work twice as hard as you for the same pay? I'm not, this isn't 2000 a month. We're talking 30000 a month. Yeah. Yeah, I could. So that's my stance on it. It might be unpopular, but I've it, it just has worked. And I made a post as well that the biggest five competitors we had five years ago, one's left. Everyone else is gone. Crazy. And so I'm like, what, what, why is that? Uh, it ha it's the team. It has to be the team. It's all about the team. It's not about you. So. Yeah. And how do you determine like your org chart? Like how do you, you know, you're scaling whatever, like how do you yeah. know what person you need to put in next? I mean, I just think you look for the biggest efficiency in the business. So for me, I, I just like whatever is the bottleneck and then we find someone for that position. So for example, like recently, <clears throat> again, I, I, I hate bringing up the same people, but I actually won't say their names, but you see, I've seen personal branding become so important. And a couple of years ago, I was like, man, we like on Clubhouse, people were like personal brand. I was like, man, you're, I was like, you're broke. I was like, yeah. this guy's talking about personal brand. He's broke. Right. But I think there's two sides to it. So I think in the beginning phase, and I'll get, this will get to the point. I think in the beginning phase, you know, personal branding doesn't matter until you have money. Cause like, if you don't have money, like, what are you branding? Like you can't, right? Like even with the amount of content you're putting out now, yeah, we were yeah. talking about before the show. You got to pay a ton of money. Yeah. But once you get to a high level of money, then it's like branding is what's going to take you far. Like, and so I think you got to put more time into it. So to your point, you're, you were asking, hey, well, how do you know who to hire? Now that I realize branding is more important, I was like, yo, my, my organic content sucks. Like I'm just shooting stuff. I have no direction. Half the time I look bored because I don't even like what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so I realized like, what is my best content and what does the best? It was actually podcasts. And, and so I love being on podcasts because it's, it's back and forth. Yeah. You're talking about stuff I enjoy. And so I actually just hired an executive creative director who uh, used to do some work for Patrick David Bett and did some work for another guy named Matt Supulos, who's his number two. Yeah. And immediately, 48 hours in, it took nine, 900 applications and three months to find this guy. Damn. It, was, it sucked. But immediately when he comes in, he's like, yo, you need to do this, 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 and this. We're changing this in your content. We're doing this. We're doing that. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. It like, it's just the difference with the difference when finding the right person. It's just night and day. And then I think you just look for a deficiency. So for me, where I'm at my companies now, 
the biggest thing I can do to help my companies and get to the next level is start building a personal brand outside of maybe starting a new company, right? Because yeah. I could start a new company, but you're seeing with like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, uh, you saw with the Jenners, Kardashians, yep, yep. you're even seeing with Alex right now. It's cool to see. Like, I yeah. feel like we're seeing Alex in lifetime. Like you're seeing like someone go from zero to like, he's going to have millions and millions of followers. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? In 10 years from now, if I don't start now, I don't know how successful I'll be, but it, it doesn't matter. If I don't start now in 10 years, you're going to be way behind. So I, I'm like, hey, you better get on the boat now because in 10 years with the advancement of technology and social media, everyone's going to be, I mean, everyone's going to have like a little video guy following them around. Everybody. Yep. yep. I don't know if you feel that <laughs> way, but I, I just feel like people at this point, if you don't get on the ship now, you're going to get left behind. It's yeah. like now or never. So no, now, yesterday I had um, uh, a guy on, fuck, and I'm blanking on his name, yeah. but he's hosting the Real Estate Domination Conference yeah, where he has yeah, yeah, Ty yeah. Lopez and yeah. all that type is of it, stuff. Is it uh, Cody? No, um, no, not Cody. Shoot. It's um, His name is? I saw it yesterday, but I, I, I'm yeah. trying to- Oh, his name is Jerome. Okay, so he, yeah, yeah. He's, okay, he has cool. his uh, yeah. event here. Yeah. And he's saying like, yeah, dude, once you have like the money, like the biggest thing that I'm doing right now is just strictly focusing on my personal brand because, yeah. uh, you know, like you're seeing a lot of these people, they're like Ty, right? Ty went Huge. into, you know, e-com and, you know, purchasing, purchasing major, major brands um, and the push of a button, it's like, that's all they need for Legion. They don't yeah. have, like, you don't even have to run ads. And so, I, like, I think the mistake, I think the thing, the th one thing I don't like that Gary Vee says, the only thing, because I like him overall. Yeah. He seems like a super nice dude, super cool. He's always like, yeah, post this, post that, this and that. I'm like, dude, if you're a solopreneur and you're broke, you don't need to spend all your time posting. I think it's the last thing you should do. But yeah. it's what you just said. Once you have money in the bank and you have a team, I think becoming a brand and a personality that people like is everything because then they want to just, they want to buy everything. They want to be associated to. And that's why you've seen like what the Paul brothers, right? Crushing no, it, no hate dude. on them. No hate on them. What, like what's the difference between them and someone else right now? You know, besides maybe their good look, I don't know, but you get the point is like their brand. So yeah. he starts, uh, what did Logan Paul start? That prime drink. Yep. What is it? Is it value like a billion already? No idea. It, it can't be just because of their business skill. They yeah. may be great businessmen, but, the difference is they have so much pull, the Jenners, right? They're both starting their tequila brands, blew up. And I saw that and I was, and I remember I saw that and then I saw Alex talk about it, right? And then I'm like, you know what? That's, that's where I've, I've missed. Yeah. Like I've missed because I didn't take it seriously. And so now I'm having to go back and hire 10 editors. We just hired an executive creative director. I'm gonna have a video guy follow me around everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, start literally right after this. And <laughs> nice. so I, I think that's like what you have to do because everyone else is playing that game. So if you decide not to, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Yeah. And like even Mr. Beast, last guy I'll say, 24 years old, got a $1.4 billion offer. Crazy. And, and I don't think he's running the businesses. I don't think he knows what's going on. Maybe yeah. he does. But all I know is he's got a way bigger brand than me. And so it doesn't really matter because he puts out a video and gets a million of views and they'll buy whatever he has. And, and it's impressive. It's no hate at all. It's just, hey, that's, you're beating me at the game and this is what I have to do to kind of level up. So, dude, powerful. Well, where can people find you? Yeah, Instagram or YouTube. You, YouTube, would, YouTube would be the best, guys, just because I'm trying to grow that thing. But yeah, so Instagram or YouTube, Tanner Chister, that's probably the best place. All right, dude. Well, I appreciate yeah. being on the show. Thanks Thank for you. having me, man. Thanks for letting me talk your ear off. I appreciate it.